Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Free Reads. Today we begin another long piece, a novella called The Wreck of the Godspeed. I consider this possibly the best story of mine that nobody knows about, and I would be interested in your opinion. It was first um, lightly published in an anthology called Between Worlds, which was edited by Robert Silverberg in September of 2004. This book was available only to members of the Science Fiction Book Club. I have to admit, I was kind of disappointed by the reaction to the book and my story. Don't get me wrong, I was tickled to work with Bob Silverberg, a writer whom I regard as one of the greats, and who I am now privileged to call a friend. And I certainly cashed the generous check. But the book was not the showcase I had wanted for my first real foray into space opera. So... I made it the title story of The Wreck of the Godspeed and other stories, my most recent collection, from Golden Griffin. That was published back in 2008. And here I am again, bringing it to audio on free reads in 2012. As I said, this is a long one, and we will need at least five episodes, possibly more, before we're done, which probably means we should get started, no? Prepare yourselves, then, to be transmitted to the starship Godspeed, and don't worry, the wreck doesn't happen until much later. Day 1 what do we know about Adel Ranger Santos? That he was 65% oxygen, 19% carbon, 10% hydrogen, 3% nitrogen, 2% calcium, 1% phosphorus, some potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine, magnesium, iodine, and iron, and just a trace of chromium, cobalt, copper, fluorine, manganese, molybdenum, selenium, tin, vanadium, and zinc. That he was of the domain Eukarya, the kingdom of Animalia, the phylum Chordata, subphylum Vertebrata, the class Mammalia, the family Hominidae, the genus Homo, and the species Novo. That, like the overwhelming majority of the sixty trillion people on the worlds of the human continuum, he was a hybrid cybernetic biological system composed of intricate subsystems, including the circulatory, digestive, endocrine, excretory, informational, integumentary, musculoskeletal, nervous, psychospiritual, reproductive, and respiratory. That he was the third son of Veneta Patience Santos, an elector of the host of True Flesh, and Halbert Constant Santos, a baker of fine breads. That he was male, left-handed, somewhat introverted, intelligent but no genius, a professed but frustrated heterosexual, an Aries, 
a virgin, a libertarian, an agnostic, and a swimmer. That he was nineteen earth standard years old, and that until he stumbled, naked, out of the molecular assembler onto the Godspeed, he had never left his home world. The woman caught Adel before he sprawled headlong off the transport stage. Slow down. She was taller and wider than any of the women he'd known. He felt like a toy in her arms. You made it. You're here. She straightened him and stepped back to get a look. Is there a message? A message? Buzzed Adel's plus. Minus buzzed. Yes, get us close. Normally, Adel kept his opposites under control, but he'd just been scanned, transmitted at superluminal speeds some 257 light-years, and reassembled on a threshold bound for the center of the Milky Way. Did they say anything? The woman's face was tight. Back home? Adel shook his head. He had no idea what she was talking about. He hadn't yet found his voice, but it was understandable if he was a little jumbled. His skin felt a size too small, and he shivered in the cool air. This was probably the most important moment of his life, and all he could think was that his balls had shrunk to the size of raisins. You're not... All right, then. She covered her disappointment so quickly that Adel wondered if he had seen it at all. Well, let's get some clothes on you, Rocky. Minus buzzed. Who's Rocky? What, didn't your tongue make the jump with the rest of you? She was wearing green scrubs and green open-toed shoes. An oval medallion on a silver chain hung around her neck. At its center, a pix displayed a man eating soup. Can you understand me? Her mouth stretched excessively as if she intended that he read her lips. I'm afraid I don't speak carrot, or whatever passes for language on your world. She was carrying a blue robe folded over her arm. Harvest, said Adel. I come from Harvest. He talks, said the woman. Now, can he walk? And what will it take to get him to say his name? I'm Adel Santos. Good. She tossed the robe at him, and it slithered around his shoulders and wrapped him in its soft embrace. If you have a name, then I don't have to throw you back. Two slippers unfolded from its pockets and snugged onto his feet. She began to speak with a nervous intensity that made Adel dizzy. So, Adel, my name is Kamila which means the perfect one in Arabic, which is a dead language you've probably never heard of, and I'm here to give you the official welcome to your pilgrimage aboard this Godspeed and to show you around, but we have to get done before dinner, which tonight is synthetic roast garab... Something is bothering her, buzzed Minus. It must be us. Which is either a bird or a tuber, I forget which exactly, but it comes from the cuisine of O'Hara, which is a world in the Zeta-1 reticuli system, which you've probably never heard of. Probably just a talker, Plus buzzed. Because I certainly never have. Kamila wore her hair kinked close against her head. It was the color of rust. 
She was cute, thought Adel, in a massive sort of way. Do you understand? Perfectly, he said. You did say you were perfect. So you listen. A grin flitted across her face. Are you going to surprise me, Adel Santos? I'll try, he said. But first I need a bathroom. There were twenty-eight bathrooms on the Godspeed. Twenty of them opened off the lavish bedrooms of Dream Street. Level below was the Ofuyushi dining room, decorated in red alabaster, marble, and gilded bronze, which could seat as many as forty around its teak banquet table. In the more modest Chillingsworth breakfasting room, reproductions of four refectory tables with oak benches could accommodate more intimate groups. Between the blue and the dagger salons was the music room, with smokewood lockers, filled with the noblest instruments from all the worlds of the continuum, most of which could play themselves. Below that was a library with the complete range of inputs, from brain leads to books made of actual plant material, a ballroom decorated in the Nomura Third style, a VR dome with ten animated seats, a gymnasium with a lap pool, a black box theater, a billiard room, a conservatory with five different ecosystems, and various stairways, halls, closets, cubbies, and peculiar dead ends. The MASTA, otherwise known as the Molecular Array Scanner Transmitter Assembler, was located in the well-met arena, an enormous airlock and staging area that opened onto the surface of the threshold. Here also was the cognizer, in which the mind of the Godspeed seethed. It would be far too convenient to call the Godspeed mad. Better to say that for some time she had been behaving like no other threshold. Most of our pioneering starships were built in hollowed-out nickel-iron asteroids. A few were set into fabricated shells. All were propelled by matter-antimatter drives that could reach speeds of just under a hundred thousand kilometers per second, about a third of the speed of light. We began to launch them from the far frontiers of the continuum a millennium ago to search for terrestrial planets that were either habitable or might profitably be made so. Our thresholds can scan planetary systems of promising stars as far away as twenty light-years. When one discovers a suitably terrestrial world, it decelerates and swings into orbit. News of the find is immediately dispatched at superluminal speed to all the worlds of the continuum. Almost immediately, materials and technicians appear on the transport stage. Over the course of several years, we build a new orbital station containing a second MASTA, establishing a permanent link to the continuum. Once the link is secured, the threshold continues on its voyage of discovery. In all, the Godspeed had founded 37 colonies in exactly this way. The life of a threshold follows a pattern. Decades of monotonous acceleration, cruising, and deceleration, punctuated by a few years of intense and glorious activity. Establishing a colony is an ultimate affirmation of human culture, and even the cool intelligences generated by the cognizers of our thresholds 
share in the camaraderie of texts and colonists. Thresholds take justifiable pride in their accomplishments. Many have worlds named for them. However, when the time comes to move on, we expect our thresholds to dampen their enthusiasms and abort their nascent emotions to steel themselves against the tedium of crawling between distant stars at three-tenths the speed of light, which all of them did, except for the godspeed. As they were climbing up the tulip stairway to the dream halls, Adel and Kamila came upon two men making their way down, bound together at the waist by a tether. The tether was about a meter long, and two centimeters in diameter. It appeared to be elastic. One side of it pulsed bright red, and the other was a darker burgundy. The men were wearing baggy pants and gray jackets with tall, buttoned collars that made them look like birds. Adel, said Kamila, meet John Man and Rob Man. John Man looked like he could have been Rob Man's father, but Adel knew better than to draw any conclusions from that. On some worlds, he knew, physiological camouflage was common practice. John Mann gazed right through Adel. I can see he knows nothing about the problem. He seemed detached, as if he were playing chess in his head. Camilla gave him a sharp glance, but said nothing. Rob Mann stepped forward and extended his forefinger in greeting. Adel gave it a polite touch. This is our rookie, then, said Rob Mann. Do you play Tikra, Adel? Who's a rookie? Buzz minus. We are. Since Adel didn't know what Tikra was, he assumed that he didn't play it. Not really, he said. He's from one of the farm worlds, said Kamila. Robman cocked his head to one side, as if Adel might make sense to him viewed from a different angle. Do they have gulpers where you come from? Cows? Seeing the blank look on Adel's face, he pressed on. Maybe Frell. Blue Frell, yes. Keep talking, Plus buzzed. Make an impression. Adel lunged into conversation. My Uncle Derwin makes summer sausage from Frelloin. He built his own smokehouse. Robman frowned. It's very good. Adel had no idea where he was going with this bit of family history. The sausages, I mean. He's a butcher. And we're an idiot. He's from one of the farm worlds, said John Mann, as if he were catching up with their chit-chat on a time delay. Yes, said Rob Mann. He makes sausages. John Mann nodded as if this explained everything about Adel. Then don't be late for dinner, he advised. I see there will be Garib tonight. With this, the two men continued downstairs. Adel glanced at Kamila, hoping she might offer some insight into Rob Man and John Man. Her eyes were hooded. I wouldn't play anything with them if I were you, she murmured. John Man has a stochastic implant. Not only does he calculate probabilities, but he cheats. The top of the tulip stairway ended at the midpoint of Dream Street. Does everything have a name here? Pretty much, said Kamila. It tells you something about how bored the early crews must have been. We're going right. The ceiling of Dream Street glowed with a warm light that washed Kamila's face with pink. 
She said the names of bedroom suites as they passed the closed doors. This is Fluxus, the doghouse. We have room for twenty pilgrims. Twice that if we want to double up. The carpet was a sapphire plush that clutched at Adel's sandals as he shuffled down the hall. That's Chrome over there. That's where Upwood lived? He's gone now. You don't know anything about him, do you? Her voice was suddenly tight. Upwood Marcine? No. Should I? Is he famous? Not famous. No. The medallion around her neck showed a frozen lake. He jumped home last week. Which leaves us with only seven, now that you're here. She cleared her throat, and the odd moment of tension passed. This is Corazon. Forty push-ups. We haven't found a terrestrial in ages, so Speedy isn't as popular as she used to be. You call the threshold Speedy? You'll see. Camila sighed. And this is Sella. We might as well see if Sister is receiving. She pressed her hand to the door and said, Camila here. She waited. What do you want, Camila? said the door. A solid blue slab that featured neither latch nor knob. I have the new arrival here. It's inconvenient, the door sighed. But I'm coming. It vanished, and before them stood a tiny creature, barely up to Adel's waist. She was wearing a hat that looked like a bird's nest made of black ribbon. A smoky veil covered her eyes. Her mouth was thin and severe. All he could see of her almond skin was the dimpled chin and her long, elegant neck. The billowing sleeves of her loose black dress swallowed her hands. Adel Santos, this is Li Hong Rain. She prefers to be called Sister. Sister might have been a child, or she might have been a grandmother. Adel couldn't tell. Safe passage, Adel. She made no other welcoming gesture. Adel hesitated, wondering if he should try to initiate contact. But what kind? Offer to touch fingers? Shake hands? Maybe he should catch her up in his arms and dance a two-step. Same to you, sister, he said, and bowed. I was praying just now. He could feel her gaze, even though he couldn't see it. Are you religious, Brother Adel? The hair on the back of his neck stood up. I'd prefer to be just Adel, if you don't mind, he said. And no, I'm not particularly religious, I'm afraid. She sagged, as if he had just piled more weight on her frail shoulders. Then I will pray for you, if you will excuse me. She stepped back into her room, and the blue door reformed. Plus buzzed, We were rude to her. We told the truth. Don't worry, said Camila. You can't offend her. Or rather, you can't not offend her, since just about everything we do seems to offend her, which is why she spends almost all her time in her room. She claims she's praying, although Speedy only knows for sure. So, I'm in Delhi here, and next door you're in the ranch. Camilla's next door, buzzed Minus. 
We hardly know her. Don't even think it. Too late. They stopped in front of the door to his room, which was identical to sister's, except that it was green. Press your right hand to it anywhere. Say your name, and it will ID you. After Adel followed these instructions, the door considered for a moment and then vanished with a hiss. And we'll stop there. You have been listening to part one of The Wreck of the Godspeed, which was first published in 2004 in the anthology Between Worlds. Next time, we'll watch Adel settle into his new digs and meet Speedy, who has some issues, even for a starship. And before you click off, I will remind you once again about all my for-pay digital enterprises. The very inexpensive online zine, James Patrick Kelly's Strangeways, and the slew of novels and stories over on Audible. And, oh yes the latest anthology from the dynamic editorial duo of James Patrick Kelly and John Kessel, Digital Rapture, the Singularity Anthology, made from molecules the old-fashioned way, from Tachyon Publications. It's so hot off the presses that the ink is hardly dry yet. And after you have rounded up all these fine JPK products, don't forget to click back here next week to the Free Reads Podcast. <laughs>